welcome to Send Us Your Nudes podcast, a podcast where we talk about music, general pop culture, and of course, mac and cheese. My name is Kelsey. And I'm Zach. And this is episode two. So welcome. We have a lot to talk about this week. Last week's episode, we talked a lot about our process. We talked a lot about um, a show that we had gone to previously. And this week, we're going to talk about another show that we went to on Friday, actually. It was really mm-hmm. fun. Com Trues, Alto Palo, and Beshkin were at Motorco in Durham. I had not really listened to Alto Palo or Beshkin before, so I didn't really know what to expect. I had a lot of fun, though. I was Honestly, the, the music was good. A lot of... Uh, what would you what would you classify Beshkin as? Atmospheric electronic music. Yes. With, I would say so. With lyrics. Yeah, yeah, there were lyrics. Um, could I understand all of them? No. Mm. Um, but that's probably because there was a lot of reverb in the music. But I'm definitely going to check them out and check out their recording um, quality when they um, release something on Spotify or Apple Music. Um, and same goes for Alto Palo. Although I didn't really, I wasn't really into their performance. I don't, I just felt kind of like I was standing there watching four guys like hang out with each other and just jam. I didn't feel like it was a performance. I don't it, know how it, you it, felt. It, it, you're right. It wasn't like polished. You could tell that these were some young guys. I'm not exactly sure how old they were. Had to have been in their very early 20s though. Not sure how long they've been playing together or at all. Not that they didn't have any talent. Like, they were all pretty good at what they did, especially, like, the guitarist. An interesting individual to watch uh, that we might talk about a little bit. But Yeah, yeah, I want to talk about that guy. <laughs> but just the way that he played the guitar, uh, he was able to elicit a lot of sounds out of it that I would have expected to come from a computer or keyboard. I didn't realize that if I were to hear this on an album or something, that he was actually doing this with his guitar. Yeah, I I was looking at you at the show, and like I kept looking over at you, and you were just like, "Huh?" Yeah. Like you had like raised eyebrows. Because most it, of the show was <laughs> really funny. <laughs> I'm personally trying to pl- learn how to play the guitar. Maybe not as diligently as I should. Definitely not. Def- okay, definitely not as diligently as I should, but. When I was watching him, I thought, man, this guy has obviously done a lot of experimentation with what you can and cannot get away with on a guitar. There's a point where I talked about with Kelsey before that it seemed as though he figured out how to pick at the very, very top of the strings near where you make the adjustments, the yeah. very top of the fret, and, and, and get certain sounds you out of it. Yeah, yeah and I was, I was like, holy crap, well, okay. He figured out how to do that. He's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. All kinds of mad scientist biz with the guitar. My favorite part of his performance, however, was not necessarily his like skillful playing, but was all of his like crazy faces that he made when he was playing. He looked like he was either trying to pass the world's largest kidney stone <laughs> or he was really mad that someone like had dropped his 
meal on the floor or someone took away his sandwich. Somebody Something. dropped his macaroni and cheese on the floor. He was yeah, very upset he was about really, it. Yeah, he was really feeling the music, but I don't know how he was feeling when he was feeling the music. He didn't look happy when he was playing. <laughs> he looked really, really upset. A lot of ugly face biz. It was it was in, very enjoyable. Um, it was. It was. And, they, and the, the that's the thing... Not knowing how long they've been playing together, it did look like they definitely had a relationship. Because I was noticing the drummer and the bassist slash uh, keyboardist, I mean, they were all working with, you know, some form of electronics uh, at one point or another, but he was primarily the bassist. And they and they had that connection where they're kind of those two guys on the stage that just look at each other a lot while they're playing. Yeah. Nodding and smiling like, yeah. They, it, almost as if they're ignoring everybody else on the stage that they're playing yeah, with. Yeah, guitarist guy didn't seem like he was even in the same band, honestly. Yeah. He wasn't standing playing a guitar either. Because, like, you know, normally when you're watching a guitarist play in a band at a performance, they're most likely standing. I've never, ever been to a concert where the guitarist is sitting in a chair in the back of the band, like, even behind the drummer. Yeah. <laughs> and it just felt really weird, but also, like, he was kind of, like, just there for, you know, like, oh, this is this is a fun thing to do on a, on a Friday night. Like, I'll just sit in with this, this already formed band. Yeah, he, he answered the ad. <laughs> he answered the ad, showed up, and they're like, hey, can you meet us in Durham? You know, or, so I really enjoyed, though, watching, like, the, the, the drummer especially. I always love, actually watching drummers they're probably my favorite musicians to watch because they really do get the ugly faces going on they're over there panting and breathing because they're just wailing the crap out of these drums so they so they've always kind of been one for me to look at uh but he looked like he was having such a good time just smiling and laughing uh, especially at the lead singer um because the lead singer a little awkward uh, I of... wouldn't say he was awkward. I would say he was just, like, trying way too hard. Uh, there was certainly a level of awkward to that. And, <laughs> yeah, he so he was, he was trying to get the crowd pumped up, which I appreciate so much because, again, like we talked about in the last episode, crowd participation as far as, you know, the band reaching out to the crowd and talking to them and getting them involved, very important in my opinion. So he So he was doing his best. To do that, but it didn't really set off until the lead singer, Ken from Beshkin, comes on stage. Well, okay, so the opening band, Beshkin, there's two guys, they're really talented, they're really young guys. They decided that they were going to sit in the very front, well not sit, stand in the very front of the crowd for Alto Palo and just like, just throw their hands all over the place. They were really drunk too. Yes, um, they but were they, definitely celebrating. The last, yeah, because it was, um, it was... Ken's birthday. Ken's birthday, yeah. Turned the, 23. The guy who um, is the lead singer for Beshkin, it was his birthday, and they made a huge deal about it, literally, like, every chance they could. Yeah. Well, um, he was, I mean, he was really happy, especially because he says that his girlfriend drove in to celebrate with him. Yeah. And she was there at the show. Didn't realize it at the time. But at, during the Beshkin show, she was standing right in front of us. Yeah, we I didn't realize no it until afterward. Yeah, it was it was funny because the last con- or the last um, performance 
that Alto Palo had planned, they called Beshkin up on the stage and they danced in the middle of like, because they had formed their band in like a semicircle. There was yeah. nobody sitting in the middle or like standing in the middle of the stage. Beshkin got up on stage and danced. The invitation was for anybody that wanted to dance could come up on yeah, stage. And so Ken, being uh, three sheets to the wind, we'll say, already, kind of just hopped up on stage and started doing this kind of awkward fun dance, uh, not really expecting to have to dance, so he just started moving uh, awkwardly, but having fun. I mean, yeah. he was having a blast. And honestly, just watching the band members, they were laughing so hard at him up there dancing awkwardly with the drink in his hand. They were just having a good time, man. Absolutely. Um, that's what I respect about their performance in general. It was just, I don't know, it just didn't strike me as... Like I said earlier, it was just me standing and watching four guys hanging out with like, they knew that they had, it was like they were performing in a garage and they were having a good time. And then there was just randomly like 200 people (laughs) standing in their their yard. Their their garage was (laughs) picked up, airlifted and dropped down in the middle of a group of people. So, uh, you know, besides the, the charming little... Uh, jig that Ken from Beshkin did and then they get up on stage at one point and they're literally <laughs> they're literally hugging just a threesome hug of the lead, the lead singer. singer of Alto while Palo. he's still while performing he's play- while he's playing yeah um but anyway that's how the first two acts went about and we haven't even talked about all of the weird crap that went on in the audience Oh my god. It was like a very interesting show in general. It was very atmospheric in a way that I don't even know how to explain, honestly. Unfortunately, the mustachioed man did not show up. No, no um, sighting anyways. He might have listened to episode one. They're on the Yeah. And he might have had to change his... You know what? Maybe he's wearing a wig now no. and he shaved his mustache and you, he's... You remember the very rude concert goer. That was wearing a large hat. It was him in disguise. And a trench coat. Yeah. And he had on glasses. So he was very... Mm-hmm. He's, he could have been him because he's still about the same height. Yeah, he was a tall guy. Tall guy. I, hold on. PSA. Don't wear large brim hats at a concert. Everybody knows that though. Everybody knows that. Maybe... Well, this guy clearly doesn't. He just was trying to look cool. But maybe it was the mustachioed man... In a disguise. He might have been in a disguise. Because if you remember, they got right in front of us as soon as we got there. They did. So it's like they knew. They needed to be in our area. Yeah. I mean, I know that people generally want to be close to my greatness, but <laughs> don't don't scoff at me. You know this to be true. Um, so <laughs> when when uh, when we were people watching though, because again, we love to do that. The jackasses that were behind us. Oh God, I was yeah, I was gonna bring that up. Which the thing is, is like you didn't even know what was going on until after the show, and I had to tell you everything that went on. I had an idea of what was going on. Well, it was I heard so it was initially. so loud that I had to like kind of scream what I was saying behind me. So this is what happened. I was standing on the right of Zach, and there were two guys behind us. And they were both very drunk. They had come up, like, halfway through the show, too. So they weren't standing behind us the entire time. They just kind of, like, pushed their way up to the front. 
one of the guys that was standing directly behind Zach had a glass half full of beer. And he decided it would be a good idea to hold the glass of beer half full over top of Zach's head and tilt it slightly and then look over at his friend and say, dare me to do it. Oh my God. And I, I saw him out of my peripheral and I heard him say, dare me to do it. And also you can see like a glass hovering above Zach's head. Like it just pissed me off so much. Like, I don't know what it was. I was just like, this person, why would you threaten to do that in the middle of a show? And what the guy didn't know is that Zach does hap keto, which Zach can explain what that is here in a second, but basically Zach can kick someone's ass if he wants to because he's a black belt. Thanks for putting that out there. Um, well, I did. I already put it out there to that guy. Yeah, but uh, you're not here and people are going to be like, oh, really? I'm going to be challenged in the street. No, you're not. You're not going to be challenged in the street. It's going to be some martial arts podcaster that's like, oh, you think you can take me? It's not a challenge. Like, you can kick somebody's ass. I didn't say whose. Somebody's inexperienced in fighting. No, that's not, that's not, it's not what we do in Hapkido. But anyways. Anyway, so, so, yeah, but it's it's defensive. So, like, if this guy was going to pour beer on top of your head, like. If, If he, honestly, if he had poured beer on top of my head that wouldn't have been enough what what's the word for it enough motive to provoke you that's enough that's not enough motive for me to be able to self defend or harm him in any way i mean <laughs> now obviously with my training i can control what i do to him to not really injure him just make him really regret doing it doing anything to upset me well anyway i turned around and looked straight at the guy and the guy was slightly shorter than both of us because we're both about 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, the guy, he just looked at me and I said, you might not want to do that. He can kick your ass. He knows Cap Keto. And Zach can't hear any of this. He doesn't know what's going on. Well, I, actually, except, except, I heard except you heard me, you heard me, yeah, you heard me yell that at him. <laughs> so you didn't know why I was yelling that you had new Hep Keto and you could kick someone's ass at another person. And, and the immediately guy, I was like, crap, now... Now I've got to kick someone's Now ass. somebody's going to want to, you know, provoke me to see what I can do. Show them my moves. Oh no, this guy backed off immediately. He was just like, I wasn't going to do it. I was like, whatever. You literally held it above Zach's head, looked at your fucking friend, and said, dare me to do it. Well, let's all be glad that he was there to enjoy a comp true show and not get in a fight with somebody whose face they would not forget. I'm just saying, I would have whispered it into their ear as I had them pinned on the ground in a, a hell of a hammer lock or arm bar or whatever and whispered, you'll never forget who I am. Yeah, he... That guy was really annoying all night, though. And he kept and he kept like taking his glass, which was... He had drank all the rest of the beer out of it, but he kept putting in the glass like really close to the back of your head and, like, brushing against the hood of your jacket. Yeah, I noticed that. And I think he was doing it to try to piss me off and see if I would try to say something again to him. Like, but I just kept ignoring him. And I think it pissed him off because I wouldn't, he couldn't provoke me. A lot of this music <laughs> is chill, yeah, chill that's... wave music, and yet you've got somebody there who wants to be belligerent. 
and try and provoke a fight. It was so stupid. Like, this little, this little fucker, like, <laughs> he was just trying to piss me off. Um, but he kept saying like, oh my God, he's killing it. Like over and over and over again during the, during Comtrues' set. And it was just so annoying. He's screaming, oh my God, he's killing it over and over. No, there's no mistaking. He He was was killing it. He was was killing it. But like, it was something that he should not have had to have said out loud. Yes, we all know. We Everybody all know around knew that he was killing it. Because <laughs> it's kind of true. We've all heard his music. Cause, well, no. Well, no except, we'll for the, except for the foursome that was there in front of us. Yeah, and like maybe some people that are listening who have not heard his music that might want to check him out. Oh, well, no, absolutely. Should check him out. Um, Let's move on from that. Yeah, his. let's talk about Common Truth's set because it was, it was great. His visuals were really good in the background, too. Yeah. Like, and, they really drove the show. Yeah, not knowing what it would be like to go to an a purely ele- electronic a purely show. Electronic show, I didn't know what to expect, and, and as Kelsey alluded earlier, like it's a lot of visuals, a lot of hyping without directly hyping. You know, just using visuals and good artwork. And actually, there's one song that he was playing. I, I can't recall which one it was, where in the background there was a short film playing. And it was oh, a, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, and there was a short film that I had seen on, I think, uh, Dust or something like that. It's a little Facebook page that they premiere like short sci-fi films. Yeah. They're usually like five or ten minutes long. And it was of this like android who was supposedly like this wife android that ends up gaining some form of sentience, resents her owner, and basically rebels against him by murdering him. She like drowned him, right? She drowned him in his pool. Yeah, but still, like watching it with this with this song, you it know, was really, it like, was really cool. It added this emotional level mm-hmm. to the song that you didn't really maybe feel that was there initially, but then you're watching the video and you go, "Oh my goodness, this totally works." So it was a lot of fun, you know. And then also he you know premiered some stuff that he had just finished working on. He said that uh, during their four week tour, yeah, he was able to actually finish. A song that's going on his newest album. Yeah, dude's working hard, man. Dude's working hard, uh, and he teased us all because he he yeah he, did he said a that wordplay. it was his last album ever, and everyone was like really upset in the audience, and visibly you could tell like people weren't dancing as much; they were just kind of standing it was around. This shock of despair, like and, what do you mean? Yeah, and then he like after the song was finished, he was like, "Oh, I'm shitting y'all." Yeah, <laughs> it's on my last goes, album. If you're paying attention. He's really? like, I might just take a break. <laughs> it's it's the last album that I made called Ever. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. He uh he's a funny guy. Yeah, he's a funny guy, so that's hilarious. Like and he was he was having a great time up there. He too. was. He kept smiling. It was he so was smiling cute. so much. Was Every so time, cute. you know, there'd be a breakdown in the music. And then or everyone would that... scream and be like, Ah, we love you. He's got he this would, big he would, beard. Yeah. He's got this big beard and mustache. He's kinda a big like teddy bear. Ho- he kinda looks like Hopper. Someone said that in the crowd. Did you hear that? that? Like, I I saw him on Stranger Things. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, his face is mostly obscured by this bushy kind of beard, especially the mustache part. But you there was no hiding the the rounding of his cheeks when he grinned underneath that big bush. Yeah, he uh, he's he's a cute little guy. Yeah, and so it was great to see that he was having a great time too. But uh, alluding back to Ken's birthday, 
there was a point in time where all of a sudden he kind of stops the music and he starts playing a version of like a birthday song. Yeah, I think it was the, um, I think it's a Michael Jackson version. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what it is. But he played that and they invited Ken on stage and they gave him a little cupcake. It was really cute. It had like a big candle in it. Everybody Um, started singing along with the song. And dancing on the stage and off the stage, of course. And it was just a really charming little moment. I mean, Ken was obviously, like, cheesing from ear to ear trying to eat this cupcake while probably too drunk to be eating cupcakes by this point. Yeah. That's the end of the show. Uh, kind of worried for his health there. Uh, he, yeah, he decided, you know, to just lap it up and danced and everybody was having a great time. And it was just really charming little moment to kind of underline how well a touring act of different bands can come together and get to know each other and develop friendships and bonds. So it was lovely. It was very lovely. It was lovely to see. So yeah, the Comtrues Beshkin Alto Palo show at Motorco in Durham was amazing. Not only that, we got to eat it up at Parts and Labor like we always like to do. Got some yeah, we ate, we ate a lot of food, which made me like super sleepy. <laughs> like halfway I looked over at Zach and I was like yawning really really loud well it didn't help that the show ended at like what, like dad yawning like 12 30 1 o'clock it was yeah it was it was like 12 30 when the show when we got out of there yeah it was like 12 30 yeah after the encores and everything yeah no it was an awesome show I had been listening to calm trues for so long and you know it was just kind of one of those things where I looked at Kelsey at the beginning of the show and all I could say was I am this close to this man right now while he's playing. I'm eight feet away. And I was so happy to just be there and enjoy that. So highly recommend a Com True show or his music to anyone ever, especially if you're into like the electronic thing. So segue, I sent you a cool article this week. And I said, I want to talk about this because I think it would be cool to do this when I die. And me saying that, Listeners, you're probably like, what the heck? <laughs> you're talking about dying. Well, we did end up kind of uh, wrapping up our show last week on what we'd like to do with our ashes. And we were talking about how there was that service that would put you in an urn that was like a... Like a tree. Like for yeah. a tree. Yeah. Well, this yeah. is on, This is like this is equally, equally as good. Much cooler. Uh, this is, yeah. Not as environmentally conscious and, you know, you don't feel as useful. Yeah. <laughs> but awesome, awesome idea. So I found an article that you can rest in vinyl. And so there's this company in England that will press your ashes into a vinyl record. And I know you're probably thinking, wow, that's the most hipster shit I've ever heard of in my (laughs) life. Who would ever want to do that besides hipster trash? Well, we would love to do that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, I thought it was a cool idea. Although... I did think about this after I sent it to you. I'm like, well, you know how vinyl gets scratched really easily? <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. So if you get scratches on your vinyl body, does that mean... Those is that are a like, personal injury? Is that like an injury on your vinyl body? I anyway, so. so you can have like your own uh, array of songs on your vinyl body. That's what I'm going to keep calling it. Vinyl, vinyl body. body. Absolutely. Vinyl Your corpse. vinyl remains. Your vinyl... Co- yes, your vinyl corpse. <laughs> Can have different music on it, and just whatever, whatever you, whatever you would want, probably. 
it could be recordings of like your voice, you talking. It could be copyrighted music, I suppose. But that inspired us to think, okay, what would we want to put as our vinyl corpse music? What would we want people to be able to listen to and get an idea of who we were as people and what tastes we had, I guess, in general. Yeah. And we kind of decided if we had died, if we were to die tomorrow, what to this point would most likely be able to give people a good idea of, of who and what we are as people? Yeah, or just like what our life has been up until today. Up until today, yeah, absolutely. So we put together a list of eight songs. Let's go into uh, what songs we wanted to put on our on our vinyl record of death. <laughs> yeah. So I had a I had a really hard time. Yeah, Zach had a really hard time. He was like trying to figure out his last two songs before we started recording. Yeah, and... I mean, I've, I've been working on this almost a week, and yet, off and on, I guess, and and I just I had this road bump because I sometimes I take stuff like this a little too seriously. Yeah, and it took you an hour to pick the last two songs. <laughs> well, I'm combing through all these different songs that you know I've kind of marked as just my favorite songs in general and was having a hard time you know of course picking them out but I, I came across two that really were important to me in their own ways and like this is no perfect collection of what truly would best describe me but I, th- I think this does a pretty good job so I started with Time Moves Slow it's a collaboration that happened in 2016 by Bad Bad Not Good with the front man of Future Islands Sam Herring, uh, who also has a big side project that's important to him, Hemlock Hearst. That's more of like a, a rap thing that he's doing, but Future Islands is a kind of like an indie rock band that's been a big deal in my life. But Bad Bad Not Good has also been really big for me as a as a band. They're kind of like a um, post-bop uh, jazz ensemble. that They play instrumental primarily, but they'll collaborate again with lots of different artists. Like there's a one by Tyler, the creator, called Orange Peel that was really good. But anyways, uh, yeah, go. this one. Let's talk with, about the song. This one. Sorry. I get. I, I, <laughs> I know you get really excited about this. This song, Time Moves Slow, uh, Sam, his voice has so much richness and emotion in it that it really carries home some of the feelings that I had at the time that I was going through. It was a really difficult time for me. And so for this song, every almost every verse, every lyric, I can attach an emotional feeling to. And I can only I've only listened to it twice. I've only listened to it twice because every time I listen to it Twice since the thing happened? Yes. Okay. That no Twice, period, because I just, I've recently found this song, actually. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I found it a few months ago. I know it came out a long time ago, but I only found it a few months yeah. ago. And so, when I listen to it, I cry profusely. Oh, no. Yeah. But I love the song. The, the musicality of the song, the way he sings it, is fantastic. I really hate that I can't listen to this song more than I can. And I could probably, and I probably should force myself to listen to it more just so I can tolerate it and not yeah. feel so terrible i guess this is me running away from my feelings but i i've only been able to listen to it a couple of times but it's just it's just that good to me and it really signifies a time in my life that was really hard and i think it just gives a good pe- idea to people of you know how how emotional some parts of my life have been and then to move on from that got seven more songs here neon indians 
Deadbeat Summer. Now this is kind of on the other side of the coin for me where it is a fun song that came out on his Psychic Chasms album, 2010. That was his first like album, major release. And I, of course, before that point, never heard of Neon Indian. And Deadbeat Summer, they were playing on XMU, Satellite Radio. And yeah. I, when I first heard that song, I lost it. I, I, I've never heard the sound before. I've never heard something <laughs> this chill and this funky with its lo-fi. What is this funk? What is this lo-fi funk? <laughs> And, you know, because at that point in my life, I was really going through a musical transition. And so some of these bands here go along with that. So, you know, Deadbeat Summer was just something where I couldn't help but dance. I couldn't help but move. It just took me over. And I started to seek out other acts that had a similar sound. And that rolls me into Toro y Moi. The third song that I picked was Best Around. Now, this was on, I don't know, I think it's like third album. Anyways... This song has got a good lo-fi feel to it, and it honestly makes me laugh every time. This song brings me so much joy, because to listen to it, anybody, almost anybody, I think, could could identify with it, to where it's like you could sing this yourself. Like, you've been through this yourself. Because there's a part where he's singing it, and he's got the most, like, cracked up, uh, terrible singing, like he did it on purpose. And it's just a simple... <laughs> and it makes me laugh every time. And I was actually playing it in here, and Kelsey heard it. Was, it was like stuck in my head for the next few minutes. Yeah. And I just kept singing it. It was when Zach was trying to figure out his last two songs in the last hour. And I was just sitting here, like, oh my God, I got this fucking song stuck in my head. Like, never going to get it out. It's like, like an earworm. Yeah. So, uh, so that song just, I mean, generally makes me happy and th- makes me think about just kind of like the the transition of my musical taste period and then lose yourself to dance by daft punk i'm a big daft punk classic fan. yes a uh, big daft punk fan been listening to them for a very long time this song in particular one i lose myself to dance and that's kind of a common theme in in my life and music in general i love to dance so I'll just, you know, feel no shame in busting the most awkward moves. Uh, But it really makes me think about a time in my life where I was living with a few guys and, you know, they were all my best friends. And we would have these, you know, nights where we'd just be hanging out in the house, inviting people over, having these small parties, you know, having a good time. And this song would be on in the background. And even better... There is a YouTube video where somebody mashed up this song with one of Stevie Wonder's performances on Soul Train. So the beat for Lose Yourself to Dance matches up perfectly with Superstition. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yes, it is such a delight to watch because you're watching all these guys and women dance um, these just funky, awesome dances from the 70s, and it's just matching up perfectly with Lose Yourself to Dance. And it even inspired Mike, like, hey, hey, he's made it into two podcasts, Big MT, to develop a, a dance move called Sloth Hands. And I, I obviously you guys can't see it right now, but... Um, I'll post a video sometime of you doing Sloth Hands no, on we've the gotta Facebook get, page. No, we've got to get Mike to do it. Anyways, so that just makes me think about a really great time in my life where I was really bonding with these guys. You know, they're, they're still a big part of my life today. All I can think about, though, is Mike's soft hands sometimes. So, 
After that... That's weird that that's all you can think about sometimes. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Not, when that song is on. All I can think about is his sloth hands. Oh, yeah. Love me some <laughs> sloth hands. So, after that one, this is actually in the same vein, All My Friends by LCD Sound System. A very emotional song, and to listen to the lyrics of the song, you know, I think those came from... James Murphy, where he was contemplating his position in life and his relationship with his friends, his long-standing, lifelong friends. So it kind of relates to how I love my friends so much, and they mean so much to me. <laughs> That's getting a little sappy now. Well, I guess it's I been mean, sappy why? the whole time. It's been sa- just. This is, but but that's how I feel about it. So um, so that's why that song has a lot of meaning to me. Now, we're going to switch gears again. The next song is a Parquet Courts song called Almost Had to Start a Fight slash In and Out of Patience. This song, I love how it just kind of starts out with this awesome little guitar riff that kind of sets the stage for how you can just be so quickly uh, riled up and kind of upset and at the end of your rope for so many different reasons in so many different ways and you're just kind of like you know what i'm done i'm done with this i'm done with you deal with it or don't <laughs> so you know whenever i whenever i hear this song i just all of a sudden just kind of uh i wouldn't want to say aggressively but just get turned up and get a lot of energy out of it and it just i just want to bang my head around and throw stuff around and kind of get out some of my just kind of exert some of my Frustrations. The next song is actually a song off of the Turbo Kid soundtrack, because <laughs> I'm a Turbo Kid freak. A huge uh, Turbo Kid freak. Yeah. 88 miles an hour. <laughs> so I get a kick out of just the name of the song, alluding to, you know, Back to the Future, <laughs> the DeLorean having to get yeah. up to 88 miles an hour. But that's the, just the thing about Turbo Kid as a whole. It just captures, like, the a- essence of the 80s. And this song does that as well. It's really awesome, just synth pop, got some good claps in there. And it, you know, makes me think about the movie. It makes me think about, you know, the friends that I enjoy it with. Uh it just puts a smile on my face. It's a great it's a great driving song for me, honestly. Just cruising down the road at night, hearing this awesome funky synth riff going off and watching the lights go by. And it just, it just makes me feel good. It makes me feel happy to listen to. I even love the little, you know, claps that they throw in from time to time. It's just really, you know, awesome and cliche synth pop stuff that, that goes on in this song. And it's just so funky. I love it. And then the last song is kind of something that, it does a similar thing for me, but it's Holland 1945 by Neutral Milk Hotel. A Neutral Milk Hotel classic. And it just starts off really strong, and it immediately brings this vision of doing something fun and exciting, and high energy, adrenaline, um, like a great driving song. I mean, I when I, this song hits, when this song comes on, my foot, you know, gets a little heavier on the accelerator, kind of thing, and I just, I don't know, it just it brings a lot of energy, and and I, I love it. Um, it's just a lot of fun to listen to. So that's kind of a mix for me on my record. Uh, things that, you know, kind of are 
uh, representative of some harder times in my life and a lot of stuff that represents the best times in my life. And I think it's a, it's a well-rounded mix of uh, different types of music that I'm into. Yeah. Um, mine is all over the place. It's from all different types of genres. It's from all different decades. Um, I tried to approach this in a way as to like go through my life and pick out something that I was really into in different stages of my life instead of like focusing on just like stuff that makes me feel good, like stuff that defines different parts of my life. So none of this is in order. I mean, I guess I could make it in order if I just figure it out. But um, my first song that immediately came to mind when I asked Zach if, if we wanted to do this for the podcast was Vienna by Billy Joel. And I feel like this is a really coming of age song for a lot of people in the way that you just, you have to realize that you're kind of on your own and you have to be independent and not really give a crap about what other people say about you, what people are, what other people are doing in their lives. You kind of have to focus on yourself. That's what I've always gotten out of this song. It's one of my favorite Billy Joel songs ever. And I really love Billy Joel, so that says a lot. Also, he played this at Bonnaroo Live, and it was really fun. Like, I was like, this is the best day of my life! (laughs) Well, I was standing by this couple from Cincinnati at Bonnaroo, and I was like, man, I really hope that he plays Vienna. And this was like, I don't know, like five years ago. And they're like, yeah, that would be a cool song. I really hope he plays... I don't even remember what they said. I wasn't listening. It didn't matter. (laughs) It wasn't Vienna. It wasn't Vienna. And... He wound up playing it, and I was like, this is the greatest day of my life. So my next song is Coast, It's Gonna Get Better by Patrick Stump. Most people hate the Patrick Stump album. He, Patrick Stump, if y'all don't know, he's the lead singer of Fall Out Boy. And if you don't know that, where have you been in the last few years? Patrick Stump, lead singer of Fall Out Boy. Fall Out Boy was really formative for me when I was like 11. But Patrick Stump came out with a solo album himself when the band was on a really long hiatus. And it was kind of his love child album. I remember listening to different interviews with him when this album came out. How he played every instrument on the album himself. He did all really? the mixing himself. Yeah, the whole album, He it's kind of like a labor of love for him. And this song specifically really has helped me get through a lot of different struggles in my life. And, you know, the song, it just says it's going to get better over and over again. And it kind of drills it into your head. So if you're feeling down and you don't think that things are going to get better, I suggest listening to this song. It's really upbeat. You know, it says, like, um, things are going to get better, but they're going to be worse at first. Um, You just got to live through that and then realize that, Things are going to be better after you go through that hardship. So my third song is A Lack of Color by Death Cab for Cutie. And I've always loved this song. This is off of Transatlanticism, which is like, in my opinion, probably their best album. Agreed. Well, I don't know. I like Plans too. That, it's, that means good. Plans is, Plans is also up there for me. But um, A Lack of Color really is super special to me because it was a song that... A friend of mine who has passed away used to call me when I was in college, when I was in high school, he would call me and he would play this song to me on the guitar over the phone and it's just always been a song that's held a special place in my heart. So I had to include it on here. 
The next song is Hold On Loosely by 38 Special, which is a funny song to put in here, like after those three emotional songs. Yeah, a little bit. Um, it's a good song. It's a great song. It's it's one of those... I was... So when I was a kid, my mom loved listening to this song, and she always would say, like, oh, this is a song that makes me want to drive fast. And... I I will always remember that when I was a little kid, like in the car with her, and she would be listening to the song, and like we would both be singing it. And only till later in life did I realize that like this song has much much bigger meaning than just like oh this is a cool fun song to drive fast in a car to. It just I don't know it it's very it's a very cautionary tale of you need to not hold on to something so tightly that you mess everything up. And I think it's a very, very good song. Mm-hmm. Um, very good advice. Uh, my next song is Wal- Walcott. Oh my God, I almost mispronounced it. No. <laughs> Walcott by Vampire Weekend. And this was a song that I listened to. This was my version of my mom's Hold On Loosely. Oh. This was like me like in my shitty little Ford Focus hatchback like... Listening to this song with the windows down in Lexington, singing this song. It is a really fun song, especially the way it's screaming the song. Yeah. Well, it's like so chaotic. It's like. (laughs) Like, like, (laughs) Yeah, it's like everyone's playing at the same time. It's so chaotic. I love it. It's, yeah. So this is like my version of my mom's like hold on loosely, drive fast song. Next song is Heart in a Cage by Chris Thiele. Chris Thiele is the lead singer, mandolinist, music instrument extraordinaire of the Punch Brothers, which is a bluegrass band. And if you if you like bluegrass but don't really like the grit of bluegrass, then I would suggest listening to the Punch Brothers um, because I know that bluegrass can be kind of exclusionary towards towards groups of people. So um, Punch Brothers is a great bluegrass band. But Chris Thiele, this is his um, this is his own album, his solo album. And it's Heart in a Cage. It's a great song. I believe it's a Stroke song. I know I'm going to get like beat up if I... I will beat you up. Please, I think it's a Strokes cover. Yeah, it's a Strokes cover. And it's super duper passionate. I was listening to this song like every day driving to law school. Mm. It was like, I don't know. I don't know how to talk about this song. It's just, it's just a very like kind of angry but also passionate song and it kind of just made me feel like I was letting some energy out from law school so I listened to it like every day in my commute from my apartment to to class um my third or oh my god my seventh song (laughs) is Burning Love by Elvis Presley and I include this song because I was a huge Elvis nerd when I was like four years old early time to be yeah i was obsessed with elvis um i thought he was the coolest person ever i didn't know that he died on a toilet at the time um i thought he was still alive according to my mom i thought he was like just really old still making music still really old um but well that's a way to let him maintain his dignity in your youth i guess yeah well i it was like the whole like you don't want to tell your kids that santa like doesn't yeah, exist okay, and my mom was kind of like i don't want to tell her that, that elvis is dead <laughs> i don't want to tell her elvis doesn't <laughs> even exist though he anymore. died like way before she was born <laughs> i was so obsessed with elvis when i was a kid that i had an elvis birthday party and there was an elvis impersonator that came the, for uh, how old were you i was like five. Oh my gosh 
Yeah. I'm sure even the impersonator was like, "This kid doesn't want me here. This is for the this is for the parents." No, if I can find a picture, I'll 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 post a picture on the Facebook page. Please. Um, but anyway, the Elvis impersonator came and he sang some songs and he gave out little teddy bears to everybody because you know of Elvis's teddy bear song. Mm. So I included "Burning Love" on here because it was one that I sang a lot when I was a kid. This one and "Devil in Disguise," like these were the two. That I was like really into. And my last song is Kentucky Woman by Neil Diamond. I love Neil Diamond. I love singer-songwriter. Just artists in general. And I grew up in, like listening to a lot of Neil Diamond. My mm-hmm. mom had a greatest hits Neil Diamond like double CD set in her car. And we would listen to it all the time. And this was one that was like the first one on the first CD. Or no, sorry. The first one on the second CD. I recently got back into Neil Diamond again, like in the past couple of years. And this song is just, I feel like this kind of is an embodiment of me. Like you'll just have to listen to the song, but it's just a really nice song talking about like a really good woman who's like really awesome. And she's from Kentucky and she, you know, she's not like a model. She's not like a movie star, but she's just like a cool woman who's a real person, a real person. And I really like this song for that reason. So those are my eight songs that I would have pressed into my body, <laughs> my vinyl corpse. Well, now you know they've got those, uh, th- th- I just thought about it, those tattoos that you can use an app on your phone to where you can take a, basically take a picture of the tattoo that's on your body, uh-huh. and it will play that song. It's that basically is a, yeah, crazy. It's a, yes, it's a recording that's basically tattooed onto your body. So is it just like a clip of the song, or is no, it, it the entire be, well, it song? it can be whatever you want it to be. It's just a like a... a a recording, a sound recording in your tattoo. So it could be some a beloved person's voice. It oh, could that's, be, that's yeah. sad. Like, I yeah. don't know if I could deal with that. Well, yeah, well, you know, I mean, some people tattoo, you know, birth and death dates of their significant relatives on their bodies. Yeah. So this would kind of be a similar thing, I think. But again, you could just, it could be a song or, or whatever you want it to be. And yeah, I came across that recently and I was like, gosh, I don't, I don't have tattoos because, well, it's just on personal reasons of like, I don't know there's anything specifically that I care so much about that I want to tattoo it on my body for the rest of my life. But everybody has their own reasons. But that is definitely something that I would consider doing if I were to do a tattoo. Yeah, that that's a cool idea. But I don't know, like if I like I have a lot of tattoos, but at the same time, like I don't know if I would want something like that tattooed on my body. Like mm. I, I feel like it would cause me more harm than good. Like I would look down at it and be like, "Oh, this is someone's voice on my arm." If you went that route, yeah. Yeah, or like there is a song on my arm. What if I get sick of that song? Like what if it has terrible meaning down the road to me? Then oh. it's on my arm forever, you know? But I guess that's with every tattoo. Yeah, yeah, that's any tattoo you get yeah, around that like, risk. Like, I have a bunch of plants tattooed on my thigh, and I'm working on a an Appalachian plant sleeve. What if one day I have a terrible experience associated with persimmons? And, <laughs> the great persimmon and, tragedy. Yeah, and then I look down at, like, my knee, and I'm like, oh my god, there's a persimmon there. Well, and then I'm just triggered. <laughs> just triggered by your own tattoos. Triggered I guess by my you could persimmon. get it. You could get it uh, crossed out, and you know, and just a big red X. Over just it. a big red X. Well, 
Like you can you... still see it underneath it, but there's just a red X over it. <laughs> well, it's funny. It makes me think about those tattoos of like girlfriends that guys get. Oh, and I've God. seen ones where it's like a list of names. Each one oh, has an X no. yeah. drawn through it, and then there's another name put under it. That would be it. I would just get a big X over my persimmon and then have Andrea like put another fruit underneath it or something. <laughs> Like oh we'll just put we'll just put um an apple under there or something. We can make this look like a kumquat. Yeah, we can uh we can change this to an orange or something. I don't know. Okay, so folks, it is the time that you've all been waiting for. We are going to review the nude. <laughs> the nudes. I thought you were gonna say news. I was like, no, we're not. We're not reviewing the news. Like nobody wants to hear us talk about what they already don't want to know about. That is not this podcast. This podcast is strictly about the things that you want to know, like what we like, because, of course, we're great, and then macaroni <laughs> and cheese. So this week we did a... I already posted a couple of pictures, teasy pictures, on the Facebook page. Um, so if you if you don't like our Facebook page already, go to our Facebook page. It's just Send Us Your Nudes podcast. Um, it should be one of the first, uh, if not the first, result when and you only. search it on Facebook. Yeah. So find it on Facebook, like our page. I post pictures of our process while we're making the mac and cheese. So I've already posted a couple of pictures today, and I posted the result uh, mac and cheese that we've already eaten. Um, Delicious. Yeah, it was good. Um, so today we did the Jack Daniels bacon mac and cheese. Actually... Yeah, Jake, duh, Jack Daniels bourbon bacon mac and cheese is what yes. we did today. And this mac and cheese was sent in by Sarah. Love you, Sarah. Shout out to Sarah. We, okay, so do you want to start talking about this mac and cheese? Because it was really, it was really good, but at the same time, the process was a little bit weird to make it. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think we'll, we'll definitely go into that. When we give it our when we give it our technique rating, yeah, that's the where we mostly had the problems. But overall, it was a good mac and cheese. It was a good lunch for us today. We do recommend it. It it did taste very good. But to start off with the nude breakdown, we've got noodle. Okay, and a little while laugh every time you say noodle. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's just because I sound ridiculous. No, it's just a funny word. It is. It is a funny word. Elbow macaroni. Classy staple of macaroni and cheese. We do note that elbow macaroni is, of course, the basic choice. So you kind of automatically get a three there. But we're It's gonna... what makes mac and cheese, macaroni and cheese. But we're going to give it a four just because it worked perfectly with this recipe. It, it did. I mean, it didn't work perfectly. It worked good, but it didn't like, you know, mop up the cheese sauce that we made. Yeah. It was good. That's why we're giving it a four. So we used today the recipe called for shark cheddar cheese. And so under cheese category, we gave it a three out of five because, I mean, although that the the shark cheddar cheese was really good and it made a really good cheese sauce, there wasn't really any depth there. It was just kind of like one note of sharp cheddar. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Yeah. Um, so we we decided to give it a three out of five based on that. Yeah. Now, next up is presentation. It's basically a pot of macaroni and cheese Mm -hmm. with bacon in it. It looks delicious because you see the bacon there. You know, it's still pretty ho-hum. It's like, all right, cool, macaroni and cheese. This is what we've got. Yeah, there was no, like, there was no pan involved. Like, it was just kind of like throw everything into a pot and serve it with a spoon. Yeah, so you get basically middle of the road. 
presentation. Three. It's not unappetizing to look at. I mean, it's mac and cheese, so it's definitely appetizing to look at. You know, I'd, I'd say that that was a fair assessment. Um, so for technique, that's where we really had our problems. So the recipe, we had to candy some bacon for the recipe with Jack Daniels whiskey. And we had to use brown sugar. And that the way that the recipe was laid out, it was just not a fun time for us. Yeah, it calls to reduce the Jack Daniels down into what, two tea, two tablespoons? Yeah, it. so I had it on the stove forever. And I was like, this is not there's not going to be enough for us to use with all of the bacon that we have and all the brown sugar and cayenne pepper that we have yeah it take it calls for 10 strips of bacon to actually coat 10 strips of bacon in the jack daniels and make that the adhesive to put the brown sugar and cayenne pepper on that mix to adhere, adhere it to the bacon it just I don't know. It it was barely enough. By the time I got the last strip of bacon, I was literally mopping out the bowl that I had put it in. Uh, and yet, it really wasn't that tacky, so it didn't really do a great job of uh, kind of getting the... It was just a sticky mess. It wasn't like... When we dipped the bacon into the... Because the recipe said to you to dip the bacon into the Jack Daniels, reduced Jack Daniels, and then dip it into the brown sugar and cayenne pepper mixture, and then put it onto a baking sheet and for the oven. And it didn't, like, the brown sugar did not adhere to the bacon. It just, right. like, melted. Yeah, <laughs> it just kind of turned into a goo, and then it just didn't really stick to, it just slid off the bacon. Yeah. Because the bacon at this time is, is uh, still raw? Yeah, the bacon's still raw at this point. So, after we put it into the oven at 400 degrees... For how many minutes? It said seven minutes. Seven minutes. When we pulled it out to kind of flip it over. It was so like... It's just runny. And it was runny. Like the bacon was... The bacon grease had cooked out of the bacon. And, and just mopped kind of, up like... It pushed... Pooled around all the bacon, yeah, basically. Yeah, and it kind of just uh, sweated the mixture off of it. It, yeah, it was not a fun time. Like, I don't know if there was just a problem with the recipe, how it was worded, or what. But it just looked like we had taken maple syrup and then boiled bacon, which sounds disgusting, yeah. and put it on a plate and then just poured maple syrup all over, all over top of it. Now, that's not... that That is definitely the wrong way to candy bacon. And so we ended up having to actually, once we got it out of the oven... And it had started to crisp on just we, the very, yeah, very edges. Yeah, so we edges. broiled it. We broiled it for five minutes to see if we could get some of the moisture out of it. And we, we got a little out, and it started to crisp up the edges, but we decided that it was still too flimsy and fatty and decided to throw it in a pan and just fry it up the rest yeah, of the way. Yeah, ju we just fried it. I cut it up into little pieces so that it would go in the mac and cheese immediately. I fried it up. It was much better. Yeah, at that point... It was like it was supposed to be in the picture in the recipe. Yes. So at that point, it, it kind of we kind of saved it and returned it to what it was supposed to be. But there are definitely better ways to candy bacon. So if you decide to make a recipe like this one, we suggest, you know, uh, different means. I, I do know a friend of mine has a great recipe for candy bacon. And what he says is he just literally takes a mixture of maple syrup, black pepper and brown sugar and just kind of mixes it all together puts it on the bacon throws the bacon in the oven on the pan at 350 degrees for 20 minutes and let me tell you that <laughs> recipe i've had the like pieces of that bacon on a burger oh my 
odd. Change changes my perception of candy bacon. So yeah. So if you want to make this recipe at home, I'll post it on the Facebook page. Maybe you should candy your bacon a little bit differently than it says in the recipe because we just had soggy bacon and it was weird. It yeah, was... it might have had something to do with the pan that we used or, or or what. But regardless, if you got a good recipe for it, use that. And that brings us around to our final. Yeah. Well, we gave we gave technique a three because oh, oh, because sorry. of that. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, a three out of five, and that was, I'm honestly a little generous, but (laughs) (laughs) at any rate, that rounds us out to our very last and most important rating, taste. And we gave it a four for taste, because it was really, really good. It did come out very well, actually. It, you could really taste, like, I didn't think you'd be able to taste the bourbon in it, because I was like, oh, we've cooked all the alcohol out. Mm -hmm. Like, there's going to be no bourbon taste whatsoever in this. Mm -hmm. And it actually tasted like bourbon just a little bit just mm-hmm. that little hint that added some complexity to the flavor uh and the and so when we use that sharp cheddar cheese you know we did say how it was kind of a one note cheese well it's true and yet you've got a little bit of that bourbon smokiness to it and then also the bacon flavor but the sweetness of the bacon that overall sweet taste changed the sharpness of the cheese just a little bit kind of muted it just a little bit and added in a different sweetness to it that i think increased the the flavor overall and so we gave that a four yep it really deserved a four um because it could have been better honestly just slightly when it Mm -hmm. comes to the bacon and the Mm -hmm. cheese Mm -hmm. so i think a four is very fair very fair and pretty maybe a little generous but fair um because um, I think if we if we'd have really gotten that bacon to like an amazing status, yeah, if we would have figured out if the recipe would have been able to actually explain to us a little bit better, yeah, then so, I think we could have got it. Yeah, yeah. So all that's kind of more of a critique on the recipe itself than yeah than macaroni and cheese. But um, but anyway, we gave overall. We realized that we had messed up on the math in our last episode. <laughs> um. My maths are rubbish. Yeah. Well, I think I was the one calculating it, and I also just, I don't know what I was doing, honestly. Like, that's why I was an art and English major in school and also went to law school, so I wouldn't have to do math ever in my life. <laughs> um, so this recipe, since there's 25 possible points instead of 20, because last week we said 20, this recipe got 17 out of 25 possible points and we're going to recalculate missy's recipe from last week and we'll tell you in the next episode what it actually got Mm -hmm. and we'll give you like a comparison of the two that we've done so far maybe we should keep like a a rating board or something yeah no we yeah we we like a leaderboard yes that now when we do reach the end of our first season i've already kind of thought ahead and and thought i think we should do just what you just said. Yeah, a, and a fantastic kind of have kind of just kind of have like a winner, so to speak. Yeah, of what we think is the best one that we've done out of the whole. The season. winner of season one. It's like a reality show. Yeah, the kinda. winner of season one, Mac and Cheese Showdown, is, and then like there's two crying recipes that are like, oh God, I hope it's me. <laughs> and, and 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 who knows, maybe. If we uh, if we really get our shit together, we might have something to offer the winner. Yeah, maybe we can we can make you know. Have you seen Nailed It? 
No. On Netflix? Okay, no. so they had this, like... Viewers, if you've seen Nailed It, you know what I'm talking about. The trophy that, like, they give the person that fucks up the least at the end of the show. Alright. So Nailed It is, like, a cooking show for people who don't know how to cook at all. Okay. And, or, like, a baking show. And so they make them do these, like, fantastic, like, crazy different cakes and recipes but they always come out looking really, really stupid. And like nothing <laughs> like nothing like the one that it's, you know, like the intended result. Oh so God. their trophy looks like this like cake that's kind of fallen over. Uh-huh. Okay. And it's like a spray painted gold. <laughs> so maybe we can get like a trophy that has like a noodle on it or something. Yeah. A and trophy. follow follow the um the nailed it method and just get a really weird looking unconventional trophy. That would that does sound like something that a couple of weirdos like us would do. Yeah. Yeah, or, for sure. You know, or maybe just like a crazy cool shirt or what whatever. Something uh, that we end something up cool. Up with. Yeah. So we'll put more we'll put a little bit more thought and energy into that listeners and you you really get something yeah, pretty amazing. Well, if you have a suggestion on what we should do for the winner, First of all, send us a freaking recipe so you can win. Yes. Second of all, send it to our email address, which is nudespodcast at gmail.com. That's N-O-O-D-Z podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Send Us Your Nudes Podcast. And that's your spelled U-R, mm. you know, like text. Mm-hmm. Like texting. text lingo. Text lingo. Millennials. Oh my god. You are too. You're a millennial. I am a millennial, actually. Don't even don't even do that to me. Anyway, um, that has been our second episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, find us on our social media and email us a recipe if you would like. That's all we have for this week. We hope you guys have a fantastic next week and spend some time with your family for Thanksgiving. If you've got any awesome thanksgiving stories or macaroni and cheese recipes be sure to send us yeah your please nudes. please send us please send us your nudes all right and that's well. it for this evening okay bye bye